Hi, HR Nation. It's Chris Rainey. Welcome to HR Leaders, the show where we interview today's most successful and innovative HR practitioners five days a week. Today, we have a special guest and a very, very special episode for you guys. I'm joined by Chris Havrilla, Talent Technology and Future of Work Whisperer and President at Havrilla LLC. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Thank you for joining us. I'm really excited about today's episode. Something quite unconventional for, for the listeners. I'm really excited. So unconventional for, for, <laughs> is good for me. I like that. Let's well, do it. The, way, the, the, the industry that we, we all operate in is unconventional and changing rapidly. So we have to call it that at this day and age. Um, for our listeners that haven't come across yourself before, Chris, give us a little bit about your background and yourself personally, and, and also a little bit about your journey to where we are today. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I've had a, a wackadoodle journey, but I think everybody has, you know, I, I love your story of <laughs> uh, just getting into this space. But, you know, honestly, um, I, you know, I started off in school. I, you know, I, I went to school to be in computer science. I started coding at the age of, of like nine and I, you know, I went to school and I got what was relatively a new degree back then, at, you know, is an MIS degree. So computer science for business. And, you know, it was, it was awesome because it was a, a funded program uh, via IBM at the school I went to at the time. And uh, I won't even tell you how many years ago it was uh, 30 plus <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't that. Never mind. Um, but, uh, you know, it was cool because they had these different concentrations and AI was the concentration that I picked. And, and uh, I, I only mentioned that because it's mildly ironic and totally, you know, related to what we're about to talk about. And here we are 30 plus years later. Again, I didn't say those years uh, strike that, but uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, I moved in, you know, I started my career as a software engineer and, and you know, applying it to business um, and, you know, I, I had this really cool opportunity to move into recruiting while I was at Deloitte uh, and purely to get off the road, you know, as a road warrior uh, consultant and, um, and help build experienced hire recruiting, which was new to them at the time. Uh, management consulting was exploding and, uh, and they couldn't grow consultants fast enough, you know, out of campus. And, and it just fell in love with the whole function, you know, and, and maybe coming out of consulting, it was, um, or a service function. You know, I had been in corporate, you know, IT as well. And, you know, the fact that, you know, talent is so critical to what you do, um, you know, your products and services are great, uh, but they're only going to get you so far. Um, but, you know, your people are, are, are key. And, and on, on the other side of that, the reason I love tech was because of data. And, you know, and I think that's the other critical differentiator in business, right, is, is information management. How do you manage information through the organization so people can do their jobs and, and take action, right? And so I've, I've been blessed to work on both sides, but I did embark in this functional career in HR um, as a doer and as a leader, but I eventually married it all together um, because I'm still a geek at heart and I love uh, I love change. I love technology, and I love how it it you know can enable us to do uh, more and better and different. Um, and so, how does that all come together with uh, with the realities? So, I've been pretty blessed to do that. And but yeah, I married it all together, and I help companies whether I go internal or whether I do it externally as a as a consultant. Um, you know, to me, it's kind of the same. Um, it's where I sit, and and you know and how I'm paid, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm really just solving problems around the world of work and people. Well, what a fascinating background and how timely 
<laughs> I think you're in the best possible position right now with the future world of work and the, the way that HR is moving and, and the challenges that HR leaders are having and, and yeah. how the departments are transforming. Someone like yourself with your background is, 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 is in, a, in a fantastic position to help. So I'm excited that we've got you on the show. Tell, tell us a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about today. So, um, you know, for me, um, I did this presentation at um, Tech HR in India just last week, and you know, and, and my goal was uh, to come in and and kind of demystify uh, this whole concept of AI. And and you know, you can see I actually called it, you know, I call this the intelligence age. You know, I think we've gone through transformations in technology, but also around talent. You know, we've kind of had this industrial age where we were all about okay, let's let's standardize things and, you know, do things a certain way. And then we had this information age, which was fueled by enterprise software that is, um, you know, where we ended up just slaving to the machine, but we brought all those forms and standardizations and put them online and, and tried to automate. And, and, uh, and, you know, I think there were a lot of misses in that. And I think we're now going into this kind of intelligence age where, you know, we can maybe make the technology finally work for us instead of us working, you know, for the tech. Um, and so I really wanted to demystify a little bit of what AI is because I don't think we're actually there yet, but help people understand what these concepts mean. You know, um, I think it's, if you haven't grown up in, in tech, you know, it, it probably seems a lot more complex than it really is. And I, you know, so I want to perspectives. Right? It is, it's, you know, it's very <laughs> overwhelming. So I kind of wanted to bring this into everyday speak so people can start having conversations about how do you actually bring this in to your organizations and, and make it work when we've failed to bring in technology and make it work in our organizations for the last 30 years. So that part actually hasn't changed, little, <laughs> little secret. Yeah, you know, we're just going to actually have to do the work um, that we should have been doing all along to make the technology work for us. But the stakes are higher, right? If we do this wrong, it's not just kind of the, you know, wow, this doesn't work for us very well. There's actually, you know, probably bigger ramifications with intelligence software because it's doing our transactions for us and, and helping give guidance and recommendations and stuff like that. So what do we do with it um, is really the, what we're getting out of intelligent software. Um, but that intelligent software has to be doing it right. So all the learning and development and feedback we should have been doing with people all along, we have to do with machines now. And I just wanted to give people that concept as they start to embark on this. So kind of how, how to go about doing this and doing it effectively. So it's not a disaster um, that it's actually, you know, helpful and gives people the outcomes that they need. And I think there's a pretty structured process to go about doing that. So. Fantastic. Well, let's, let's jump in. Awesome. Great. Um, I'll just ignore the, you know, the lengthy title um, and just get into it. And I think, you know, part of why we need to talk about this is, is why all this is happening and why it's important. And I think there's a lot of forces that are disrupting the world of work. And, um, you know, and I think those, you know, those things are what I'm hoping will inspire people to get out of kind of the inertia um, you know, it's right now I see a lot of people just kind of frozen because maybe it is overwhelming, 
but we can't really afford inertia anymore. You know, this doesn't go away because we've got demographics. And when I talk about that, it's, you know, the, the workforce is changing, right? In, in, I think, 2025, I think some of the data, you know, at least here, and I think it's probably already like this in some other parts of the world, but, you know, 75% of the workforce is going to be millennial and below. Um, and, and those are, that's real data. People's funnel is changing their funnel for their you know where their pool of talent is is changing and their expectations are different um so we have to think about that um and i also think there's been a little bit of a lack of leadership development um in in this new you know group of leaders upcoming you know whether we were investing in it as an organization or whether people were staying even long enough to get it because they're moving around a lot. That's kind of the, you know, I have gig economy on here, but it's more of a gig mindset, I think. I don't know if the gig economy has really come to fruition the way we thought, but <laughs> but I do think there's a gig mindset because people are, are thinking about their own careers, right? They're thinking about um, how do I get the breadth and depth of skills? Um, how do I get things done? And they get frustrated by bureaucracy and inertia in companies and they move on. Right. So regardless of why they're not getting that development, it's not happening. And I think the technological disruptions that are happening with all this, you know, onset of, of intelligent software and this, the expectations around personalization. So kind of, you know, what we expect for, as a consumer and what we're getting from Google and Facebook and Amazon, you know, why can't we have that in the world of work where we're spending most of our time? Right. So all of these forces are things that should be igniting. Um, all of us in HR to say, okay, you know, how do we, how do we get ahead of this? Um, how do we, you know, not even getting ahead, it's, you know, it's here. So, um, so I wanted to talk about a little bit of the why before we do that. And there was some great, uh, you know, research that came out of IBM just recently, they did their uh, 19th um, edition of the global C-suite study. And uh, so this is completely out of there. And I, I actually have a link in this presentation so people can go see it. There's some really interesting insights in there, but um, you know, they kind of encapsulated all the CEO challenges that, um, that they're seeing out of that research and the thousands and thousands of, of, uh, people in the C-suite that they talk to. And, and, and this is what they're facing, right? And this is from their perspective of the business disruption. So again, going back to that disruptive technology and the new business models and, and certainly, you know, from that perspective, I say, yay, those are great disruptions, right? Um, because, uh, you know, we need all of that. Um, the emergence of new and different competitors all the time, you know, my perspective on that is, you know, so what, you know, get your eye on the ball and that takes care of itself. You know, I think if you're always focused on your competitors and not on your customers and your employees where, you know, your end result is going to come from then, um, but I get it. It's, you know, it's a worry, but uh, I think do the right things and the right things will happen. Um, these talent disruptions, you know, I think a lot of C-suite, you know, don't feel that their workforces have the skills, you know, to go into this next uh, next uh, wave of, of what these business models look like. And uh, so, you know, I think they're understanding the proliferation of new skills and reskilling and is, is accelerating and what are we doing to, to do that? And then I think experience going back to that, you know, and these, these expectations around um, personalization and, and empowering me and giving me what I need to do my job. And part of that is transparency, right? Like, what is it we're trying to do and giving people clarity of, of vision? And, and I think, you know, there, there are retention 
issues around these expectations. People are going to continue to to move on and, and leave if they're not getting the experience that they need to feel valued and, and add value. Um, so the you know they gave like kind of the top five top priorities of these CEOs and and to me you know that's from a CHR perspective, our, our requirements, right? These are all agree. people related. So, you know, I'm kind of making that equation here is, you know, I mean, if, if they're saying their number one thing is to invest in people and to grow business dynamics and, and improve business leaderships and help leaders bring up, you know, uh, the rest of the workforce to, to do all this accelerating change rep and ready, readiness and creating agile operations, all of these things we have an impact on in, in HR. So um, I think it's good insights and more reasons why people need to, to step back and say, you know, I've got to drive this, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this. So what do I need to learn and what do I need to do? Um, because our skills have to change as well. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about that that information age, and and you know we've had this conundrum. And I loved HR HR.com had the a great um, surveys, and you know, and one of the questions was about you know fearing working for robots one day, I and, I, and I'm. <laughs> I'm laughing because well, I'm like, <laughs> you guys have been working for the machine for I don't know how long, right? Like <laughs> the last 30 years, we've been a slave to the to the beast of of technology, and 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 you know we're not out adding value because we're busy feeding the machine all this data, you know. And and I think this information age was we were, you know, we were data rich and and information poor, right? You know, it's a I call it the drip syndrome. I you know I learned that when I was working in in healthcare, they have all this data, right? And and I love that syndrome because you know where's the value in all this? Well, we've been busy just feeding the machines and and not always very well, right? We've done it um, all the while. We've been doing workarounds and shortcuts and everything else, so our data is not necessarily great all the time. But uh, you know, technology is always invested in as a solution, right? It's the silver bullet and the easy button, and and it's the answer to all of our problems, which is how we came to work for the software. But it's also how we came to all the distrust and um, and dislike of tech today. So um, I think that's freezing a lot of us because we're going, oh boy, here we go, right? So, um, you know, I, um, I have in here, you know, I was just kind of going through kind of current state of affairs in HR today. Um, but I think we all feel the pain of that. Um, but I really wanted to kind of, you know, crack this code on this evolution of talent. And we've talked a little bit about it, the industrial age and the transactions and the standardization and the forms. And then the information age, we, you know, we had this focus on process and automation and it was like reports, reports, reports. And, um, you know, but I think really this, this new wave is about how do we make decisions? You know, how do we augment um, the transactions or take what we got out of the transactions and all that data and augment and add value, right? And take it to the next level and, you know, not working on the machines, but working on relationships and action and outcomes. Um, and I think that's really the new focus that people need to be thinking about. And that's what are our outcomes and then working our way back, um, to doing that. And so, you know, again, this is an eye chart and, you know, and it's really more for people to take, and think about later on, right? Um, but, you know, again, there's, you know, I've always been a person that is like, let me start from the outcomes. And that's kind of how do we embrace this intelligent age, right, of, of software and, and thought processes. And so let's, let's think about where we are today, which is like 
in that information age and all these transactions and you know and and these are all the things that you know that people have been working on the last 30 years but you know where we're trying to get to right is that future state um how do we have value out of this data how do we get information and impact and learning and insights and you know how we can make recommendations and give guidance and and actually do something with it by making you know decisions and and being accountable to these outcomes and and i think the key from getting to the current state to the future state is this transformation right and so i i air quote ai and i'll and i'll talk about that in a minute but um you know there ai is a is kind of an umbrella of a lot of different things and natural language processing which is you know our siri and our our alexas and you know how it interprets um, our speech and machine learning is, you know, how the machines learn from all this data that we have. And, and, uh, so we have all of these things, but you know, what I'd like to do is kind of demystify, you know, AI, my air quotes, sure. the scary um, word everyone. Yeah, hears, yeah, it is. And I, and I <laughs> want to try to make this a little less scary because, um, before we jump really, into that, Chris, what, where, because one of the questions that I hear a lot is, you know, where, where do I start? Right, right. Right. What what advice would you give to? It's quite overwhelming, right, for someone who doesn't. It have is. Your background. It is, and I think the only way to start is to understand what these concepts are, and then you can do something with it, right? And so I wanted to give some perspectives on AI, and I, um, it, you know, like a lot of my stuff, I I rip it off from different areas because I, you know, I'm a student of all this stuff, and I have been for thirty plus years, and and I love the you know reading on uh, by Andrew Ng. And I'd suggest a lot of people go read his stuff because he really makes this simple. And I loved how he, he put this. He's like, you know, AI really isn't AI yet. It's, you know, really what it is is supervised learning systems. And so what does that mean? You know, there's really three aspects to making this AI work. And, you know, I, I just prefer to call it, you know, intelligent software, intelligent automation, intelligent augmentation mm -hmm. and it's really about data um and you know and i think getting this concept of understanding data is when we're talking about new skills in hr is people have to understand basics about data analysis and how do you look at data and start answering questions and getting insights so data is at the heart of it i put it at the top for a reason that's how machine learning is done that's how everything is done. AI is data. Um, and it's what is done with it, right? And and what is done with it is applied algorithms. And, you know, so what does that mean? They're business rules. That's that's what they are. You know, um, you know, it's it's the, you know, how do you apply this uh, data? What is this learning? And that's why human teachers are so imperative to this process, right? Is is machines are wired to do what we tell them to do. That's, it's pure and simple. That's what algorithms are. We're telling the machine what to do with all this. And the machine can actually learn that too. It, but it's, it's taking all this data and making its own assumptions out of that. Um, so we kind of have to learn how the computer does that so we can actually learn, you know, what an algorithm is doing and what this machine learning may be doing. So I'm going to jump into that and, and hopefully this will, will clarify. But I, but I want people to remember this slide and to look back at it because all this is, you know, it's not magic, you know, at all. It is literally that slide is the, probably the best have. example I've seen, by the way. Right. <laughs> it's so simple, so it, straight it to is. the point. You look at it and you, you all this leave. is, <laughs> it's all this is, and you know, and we have to like the the machine can decide what to do with it. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I I think like a machine sometimes, so I I understand this, but you know. Sometimes we make assumptions based on what we know, and we don't always have all the information. So, 
and you know, my kids could tell you this, my husband could tell you this, you know, my, you know, it, it's just, they can tell you, I go off in the left field sometimes, but I'm only working with the data that I have and I'm very literal. And, you know, so I may make assumptions and we've all done it based on all we know. And then somebody gives us that other piece of information. You're like, well, heck, if I knew that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would, I, you know, my path was really logical. It looks psychotic, but it's really logical because I went over here, but it was the only information I had. So the machines don't work a whole lot you know, different than that. So I can appreciate it. But um, I put this picture up of this fruit bowl and I'm, you know, I'll tell you this came from a book by Ursus Worley and, and I completely ripped this off from John Sumser because I think it is the most brilliant way to give a perspective on data and how machines interpret data that I've seen. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I had this great conversation with John and I know he uses this, I completely ripped it off because I wish I could think of a better way to, to, um, to really put it out there. But, you know, you look at this picture and, and, and it's a fruit bowl, right? And, and, um, and I think the brilliance that, Ursus really did in his book, and there's some TEDx talks out there, and I've I've got his credit down here so people can look up the TEDx and the and the books. But um, what he does, he's an artist, and he deconstructs art or objects um, into the pieces, and and it's really fun uh, look at art and books and, and you know in this categorization standpoint. So if you go to the next page, and this is actually the book that uh, that this came from. You know, what he did with this fruit bowl is, is deconstructed. So you see the bowl and the spoon and, you know, all the different pieces of fruit and the whipped cream. And you're like, what is, what is, what is next to the blueberries here? And, you know, I'll go back and you, and you look at that bowl and it had a bunch of dots on it. And, you know, so like, that's what the machine does. Like, we don't even think like that. We're like, oh, well, you know, the, you know, the data is the fruit, right? But this is the bowl, the fruit, the, you know, and the, and the dots in that. And, and so we maybe make assumptions of even about the data and look at it differently than a machine would, but the machine is completely literal. So it's taking every single aspect of this fruit salad, but what the machine didn't do that we all know if, if we like fruit salad is that the real magic of that fruit salad is how it all comes together and and even more so like that juice at the bottom of the bowl that's like you know it's like the best part you know it's like cereal and milk and sometimes drinking that milk with all the bits of cereal at the bottom you know that's like the best part machine doesn't get that there's no fruit juice that it sees but that's the magic we bring to it right we put this all together and we get that fruit juice and and so i give this perspective because it's like this is how man and machine need to work together right um and that is really the essence of what a machine does with data so we got to make sure it's doing the right things you know it didn't know to put this fruit juice together, right? Um, and what the heck's it gonna do with these dots and how does that mess up the equation? So we have to teach the machines and you know, they may come out, they may learn you know, this, but they didn't learn the, the fruit juice at the bottom. So how can we guide those business rules, right? How do we audit this process to make sure the machines are, are getting what we needed to do or that we take out of this Oh, okay. Here's what the components are, but what do I do with it to get to that fruit juice? Because that's what we all want. It's experience. It's you know all of these things. So that I just wanted to give those two perspectives because this is AI. 
this is how man and machine come together. Um, and this is where the human teachers come in, right? So we have the data, we have the business rules, right? That we put this fruit together, but we, you know, the human teachers are the ones that say, yeah, don't forget to drink the juice, please. That's the best part. So there's, there's AI for you. That's, uh, that's cool really it in a nutshell. It's making me want a fruit, fruit bar. I know, now. right? I'm getting hungry. So I'm going <laughs> to through this a little bit better because now I'm hungry too. And, you know, this is a, again, another, you know, um, I chart, um, and I'm not going through it, but it, this is really some of the used cases around, um, you know, what I call intelligent, you know, automation or augmentation, you know, and these are some of the things that, and some of the promises and some of the use cases that there are um, out in the space right now. But you, you know, you also have to say, okay, let me, let me come back to these concepts, right? Let me come back to these concepts and say, doesn't mean that it's doing it right. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden there's no, you know, all the bias is gone. You know, the data is rich with all of our biases. It's been recording our biases for the last 30 years, right? Um, so we have to still be aware of it. And we still have to make sure that the machine is not learning what we just have been doing for the last 30 years. And we have so much more awareness now. And we're guiding that. You know, we're, we're, we're taking what these recommendations are and, and this guidance that comes out of the machine and going, is that right? Um, especially when there's a negative impact or even a positive impact, like, you know, let's look at the impact of what this guidance is the machine is giving us and in, 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 in saying, is it right? Let's audit it. Just like we should have been doing with our people all along, by the yeah. way, you know, the learning, the feedback, the, the management, the, the, you know, true looking at performance, the guidance, all the things we haven't taken time to do with, the, you know, people. People are in general, you know, this is a generalization, wired to do a good job. And they'll phone a friend, they'll do whatever to, to do that. Um, the machines are wired to do what we tell them to do. So the human teacher part is so critical, especially in figuring out if our data is telling them the right thing or did it go off in left field in a really logical way um, mm -hmm. because that's what we've been teaching it. So um, I'll leave people to look at this. And, you know, and certainly questions anytime, you know, and how you bring this together, you know, I'm always available to people to talk about. Um, I still think it's a crime. I get paid to do what I do. Um, but, I, but I do want to give people a concept of how to start thinking about this. And again, you know, I think we always have goals um, and, and we have outcomes. And, and what's in the middle of this, you know, uh, to, you know, to kind of bring this together. Like, how do we back into that? So we have to know what our outcomes are. And, and this is, you know, the, the kind of the ABCs of how we should have always been doing this. And that's, you know, around competency and, you know, what does it take for us to get our jobs done and to do a good job? And then, you know, accountability, you know, what's the framework by which to do it and, and to know we're doing our job right. Um, and those are kind of the questions that you ask. And the motivation is, are we, are we really, not only just holding people accountable, but are we motivating people to do this by their experience and their engagement and, you know, their rewards and, you know, are we incenting the right behavior? Because, you know, you can, you know, you can give people tools, but if we don't change how they work, how does that ever get maximized? You know, and we have to not only hold people accountable to, but we have to, you know, we have to truly motivate them. This has to be their goal. Like they have to really own that. And so what are we doing to make sure that people are, you know, rewarded for the behavior or they're even drawn to it, right? Like, you know, if, if, if you're not drawn to this, you're not going to do well at it. 
So we need to help people understand, you know, what that clarity of vision is. But that's kind of the framework around it. And there's a lot of detail behind this, and I'm glad sure. to share it. Um, and uh, But those are the basic core questions and things mm -hmm. that people have to think about and how you get to that outcome. Um, and my goal here is just to present, you know, present that, uh, that framework. So let's see where we, um, in terms of, you know, the transition, um, and, you know, I, I don't know why the slide didn't come up with the keys. I'm going to go back to that uh, so I can get you the right uh, format. But, you know, there are some keys to this. And I, you know, part of it is data, right? You know, we have to get our data clean. If it's not clean, we have to get it clean. If we don't have the data, we have to find the data, buy it, access it, whatever it is. But data is imperative to this. And, I, you know, hopefully get people are getting that, you know, data is, um, you know, if you don't feel like data is sexy, you find a way to, you know, get, you know, turned on by it because, you know, you need to, that's the key to all of this, right? Um, the machines can do and cull data and look at data and trends and patterns and, you know, in ways we can't do we don't have the time or the capacity to do it and the machines do and there's so much data out there internal and external so you know getting uh some love around that and realizing the power it gives us that's hot you know find that sexy find get turned on by that or, or find something else to do because this is the key the other part of it is decisions and again i'll get you the the right slide but you know it's what we do with it right? We have all the data in the world, but if we don't have information and insights um, to make decisions, then, then that's key too, right? So, you know, I'll, t you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we start going through this, but I think those are the, the, the key elements. And the, and the last one that would have been on the side is deployment um, and how do we deploy it? And that's the kind of the how that I'll talk about in just a second. But, um, you know, at a high level, it's time to do the work that we didn't do all along. Um, you know, we really need to understand the business strategy. And I know there are pockets of amazing leaders that have been doing this. And, you know, look, what is it we're trying to do? And, and not necessarily just what the business tells us. Sometimes the business is just saying ROI and margins and everything, and they've lost sight of actually what their customers need. The ROI and the, and the growth and the margins all come if you're taking care of your customers. So really understanding that business strategy and what makes a customer happy, I think is really important because I think if your employees are happy and understand that vision and we're giving them what they need to do that, all that thing, you know, just all kinds of line, lines up. So that functional alignment to what the business strategy is, is critical. So we should have been doing this all along. If you've been doing it, great. If you're not, get that kind of focus and understand what their outcomes are. Know the what's and why's. Um, understand data is really important. And this comes in a lot of forms and some of it's created and some of it we have and some of it we need to buy or procure or, or leverage. Um, but this next bullet point is, is critical in terms of, you know, understand that no matter whether it's machines in your workforce and you're not ready to move into this intelligence age or you are, um, auditing and learning and development and feedback is the key, um, no matter what. Um, but even more critical with machines that are wired to do what we tell it to do or what it's learning to do. Got to make sure that's right. And this reskilling um, is not only of our workforces, but it's of ourselves. Um, and and I think there's speed and ethics and compliance and risk, and we deal with all that now, but it changes with all of this, right? 
another reason we have to continually audit the machines that might be guiding us down that that path and i think transparency is key in all of this and, and my last bullet on here is about an innovative mindset and approach is critical right with with all the technological disruptions and things that we're facing um cultural and demographics and everything is changing how we work and how work gets done so when we go back to reskilling this is the other thing besides data I think that we need to, to get ourselves up to speed on. And the concepts aren't as complex as people think, um, you know, but, but this concept around innovation is really just design thinking and agility. And, you know, it's not hard to learn. There's a pretty structured framework around doing design thinking, which seems a little counterintuitive, right? A structured methodology to get outside the box, like, wait, you know, what? But I mean, it really yeah. keeps us honest to doing that. And so I think those are all critical skills to learn is this concepts around AI, data, 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 and analysis and, and this and, and design thinking and agility. You know, that's how we work and work getting done is, is changing. So, um, you know, again, people can look at this later, consume it. And, and if they have questions can ask me, but this is really the, the core mindset. Um, and I think mindset is really important right now um, in shifting, you know, the way we think, but also the way that we have to think our whole workforce has to think, right? And, and it's this focus on human needs and listening deeply. And, you know, we do a lot of telling and not a lot of showing, you know, and, and we try to make things more complex than we really need, you know, um, but make things visual. Um, it was it was great at the Tech HR, they had uh, Tony Buzan talking about mind mapping and, you know, and it, it kind of goes back to this concept of, you know, really we all have one language and it's pictures right um yeah. you know a picture of a monkey is a picture of a monkey no matter where you are and what language you're in and that's so think about that from a visualization standpoint and you know how do we make things more simple instead of more complex that's why we have bureaucracy and inertia we've made things so complex and 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 i think this concept of diversity is so critical not only to attracting the right workforce and and getting you know and getting the right thinking you know is because it's it's more about cognitive diversity and you know because i think when everyone is thinking alike they're not thinking very much no not and at all. so you know i think that's a concept people need to understand and and and, you know, building what we need and, you know, and we can just look at software today and there's like all these massive amounts of robust features and we only use a core of it. Like, keep it simple. Like, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to provide? Um, and, and I think you've got to, you know, experiment, right? Like it's, it's, it's prototyping and that sounds really intimidating, but it's really not. It's just trying stuff. Um, and, and just, you know, what our outcomes are. So mindset, things to think about. Um, again, this is kind of some of the breakthroughs in AI today for our typical current state of affairs. And, you know, again, an eye chart, but I wanted people to have something to take away and look at. Um, and, you know, and I did an exercise with, with the, you know, with the group, um, because I really wanted to demystify even design thinking, um, you know, and I talked about audience mapping. I use a lot of maps to be, you know, to get kind of the visualization and to take people through that process. Um, so it isn't so um, intimidating, you know, yeah, and one of the things, thing. that oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. One of the things people do is, you know, they don't focus on what the actual problem is. And so I take them through a kind of a, you know, don't start with what you want, start with what you don't want, and then you can get to what you do want. So it's just a mapping exercise and just a sample of some of the different ones I use throughout the, um, 
design thinking process, which I like to teach um, and teach people how to fish, so to speak. And then I, as a consultant, I try to play advisor and let them drive and do it, but be there in the boat with them so that they really learn how to put the stuff into practice. Um, and so that's what, uh, that's what it's all about. And, and, and that's really, you know, that's really it, I think. And I don't know if I put this in here and if not, I'll, I'll give it to you, but I, I took people through the 12 steps of, of how I do work and how I've gone in through organizations, usually through technology and analytics, but took them through the whole process. Yeah, the whole I think that'd journey. be very, very helpful for the members so we can link that in the description. I think Absolutely. And it's, you know, I, there's a blog post on my website that outlines it. And I can certainly give people where there's questions, you know, send me questions. And I, you know, I've got mm -hmm. all my contact information that I can give you. And, um, you know, I'm glad to kind of break this down with everybody because I think this is the key for us to take this to the next level. It's been the secret to my success through the years of taking companies through transformation um, in whatever form that was. Um, and, and it's a pretty structured methodology, but it's worked for me every time because I don't come in with a solution. I don't come in with some magic bullet. I come in with a process to get to the answers and in a way to help people take, you know, go through the change to make it actually stick. So, and I, and I honestly feel like this is exactly what a lot of leaders are missing is that process that yeah. a lot of people are looking for that silver bullet, which doesn't exist. <laughs> and I apologize. I don't know why I must've brought up the wrong uh, slide that have the 12 steps in there because, um, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a very realistic uh, step through. And, uh, and like I said, there's more in the blog posts about it, which, you know, people can find on my LinkedIn or my website or whatever, and I'll link to it um, uh, as well when I give you a copy of the, of the deck that has that detail in it. Fantastic. Well, look, we, Chris, we really appreciate you sharing your journey, your experience Absolutely. and your process with us. I think it's certainly going to be some actionable guidance for, for our leaders. And I'm very, very excited to, to hear the feedback from everyone. Um, before we part ways, you know, what would be your sort of parting piece of guidance for all of the HR leaders out there that are going through this process? And what, what was the top piece of advice you'd give to them? You know, be scrappy, uh, you know, be, you know, have some fun with this. We have an opportunity, I think, for the first time in a long time to really make a difference. Um, and, you know, and not to be afraid of this. Nobody's done it. I mean, we're all talking about it, right? Experience and personalization and everything. But, you know, if we all wait to watch somebody else do it and, and, and wait for it all to work out, we're not going to be able to be competitive. We'll be way behind. Um, you know, machine learning and this stuff, it takes time. Um, and, and it takes, you know, doing the right thing. So, don't wait for everybody else to do it. Be scrappy, get in, um, experiment. Um, you know, you'll make some mistakes, but you'll, you'll do a lot of learning. Um, get good partners um, to help you through this process. Um, you know, innovation by its definition is doing things and doing breakthroughs that nobody else has done. So everybody's safe right now. Um, everybody's safe to do this and co-create with the people that are closest to what your solutions and outcomes and problems that you're solving need to be. Um, and use a structured methodology around it because using things like design thinking actually take the risk out of doing it. That's how you get proof of concept. Um, and if you're reducing the risk, you can't prove ROI. 
to any of this. You can't go make this safe for someone. So you have to use a methodology to take the risk and minimize it. Um, and, and this is a structured way to do it. So, you know, get out there, be scrappy and just try, um, inaction isn't doing anybody any good. Fantastic. Well, look guys, make sure you head over to hrdleaders.com. There you'll find all of the show notes from this episode, links to everything we've discussed. I'll, I'll actually include the links to the, to the, to the presentation deck as well. And also the, the resource that you mentioned to your blog, Chris, which would be fantastic yep. for everyone. Um, what's the best way I can see, obviously we've got some contact details for you here, but what's the best way for, if our members have any questions, questions for, for, for you, what is the best way that you prefer them to get in contact with you? You know, I, I don't have a preference. Um, you know, if people want fast answers, you know, honestly, texting or calling me is the best way. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I get alerts on Twitter. Um, you know, I get, uh, I get my emails. I'll make sure that's in there um, through LinkedIn. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not hard to find. Um, and I try to be very responsive. There's probably a, an order of priority. <laughs> and so uh, anything sure. that alerts my phone that I sleep with and live with is, uh, is amazing. Good... Well, look, Chris, thank you again for sharing your journey with us. And no uh, I wish you all the best until we thank next Thank you week. so much.